With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As we see, it's the movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry. This thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Guy, yeah, guy. Welcome, guy. What's up, bro? Guy, what's happening, dude? David Lee Scale, Scott Bass, with you, and we are spitting right here on the Spit Podcast. And what day is it, David? It's Monday, Monday, October thirtieth, the day before Halloween. That is correct. And we had a big weekend with crazy action in the the surf world. Um, probably leading off. Now, wait. I bet you. Do you have any? Um, show follow-up from the last time i do you want to get right into that yeah before the meat and potatoes of the show um what would you call before the meat and potatoes like the cheese and crackers i would say so you know some people like to end the meal with cheese others start the meal with cheese but we can do both this show's pretty cheesy all the way around okay um speak for yourself (laughs) the first topic is i was complaining about the wsl's website last time about how cluttered it is and it's sensory overload yes a buddy of mine listened to the episode and then sent me a link to the nba's website and to mtv's website that are like three times more chaotic than the wsl's and he was like dude you're just old and out of date with the way that like modern companies run their web media companies publish things and rub their websites and uh it was insane. He's he's entirely correct. I am too old. Well, the part of the strategy, perhaps, is for people to get lost in a website. Like, if you make it really organized and you're like, okay, I just want to come here and see this, and then I'm out, and you can do that, you have access to do that, you're not going to hang out on the website. I mean, the hope is, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Is that you're going to linger around and go, oh, God, I'm lost, but it's kind of cool because look at that, and oh, look, you know, like, what's her name? Shows her boobs, and you click on that, and it's like... 10 of the hottest WSL wives and you click on that yeah. and you're like before you know it you're in total clickbait land it's so true yeah well that's exactly what I replied to him I was like dude I have not watched MTV in probably a decade but Teen Mom 2 looks amazing right now <laughs> you know what I mean like cause it did the ad on it I was like curious I'm like what why would she do that you know like I didn't actually watch the show but <laughs> it intrigued me to watch I'm it I'm so proud of you that you're intrigued <laughs> By Teen Mom Teen 2. Teen Mom 2. Hey, man. Oh. I got some free time on my hands <laughs> devoting it to Teen Moms. Here's what's weird is that I didn't see any Teen Mom 2 advertisements, which means... No, no, no. This was on 
MTV's website. Oh, I thought you meant the W. No, 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 no. <laughs> Which means their algorithms are like, this guy's been into Teen Mom 2, Teen Mom 1. <laughs> They've looked at whatever, whatever yeah. things I'm searching on the internet, exactly. and Teen Mom is what they suggest. <laughs> the SEO is going, this guy likes Teen Mom. <laughs> he likes teens, oh and my he God. likes moms. That so, is random. Um, yeah. One thing, though, on the WSL site specifically that they've been advertising at the top banner for me is the Pismo Beach Surf Contest. I know. Pismo Beach Surf Contest. I know. Who's putting that on? I have no That's idea. Probably dude. A I'm going to try to pull QS it up right event. now. Yeah, it's a QS event, oh. but it's like the footage is terrible. Oh, are you kidding? Like it looks ridiculous, and I I didn't even know there was a Pismo Beach thing, and it must be obviously only advertising it to us in California. I can't imagine that ads going out to the oh European God. clickers. That's and, whoever thought, hey, let's advertise the Pismo Beach event. People will be psyched. Or that, whoever did that. Should be reprimanded. Should they? They need to buy lunch for the whole or everyone else in the office. Well, the funny thing is, you're going to advertise an event with the best footage, of course, from the spot, and it's terrible. The best day at Pismo Beach it's is terrible. the worst day at T Street. Yeah, it's I, horrible. Totally, no, it's terrible. Pismo Beach Pier. Pismo Beach Pier. It's one big wall and, and smells like clams and crappy. Yeah. Anyway, it's good for. I guess they do a lot of windsurfing. Kite, Shout out to our Pismo Beach listeners. <laughs> Tell us if it ever gets good. I'm sure we'll get some emails. Send us footage. Not photos, because photos can always be misleading. Right. I need footage. Footage, exactly. Um, the other follow-up question was I was going to ask you about your surf trip. Oh, I have a, an entire ride I figured it. you did. It's going to so be do you wanna... a long-winded okay. it's a segment. It's a well, whole segment. All right. My That's the meat and potatoes. surf park review. Got it. That's the meat. That's not even the potatoes. That is the protein. Depends. The, the, the listeners will determine whether it's meat or whether it's regurgitated <laughs> haggis. <laughs> All right. Well, look then it what up. Haggis. You? Go ahead. Look it up. Oh, I'm familiar. I've had it. Oh, you have? Yeah. I think we talked about this once. Have we? Why did you have haggis? Because I was in Scotland and they offered it with like the breakfast options. And I'm always down to like experiment and try whatever the local thing is. And it wasn't good. I think... Also, when you're eating like in a hotel, I think it was like a, a bed and breakfast, actually. The, the quality of the food isn't as good as if you actually went, you know, if it's like a, a buffet breakfast, it's not the best version of haggis that you could actually get. Right. So it wasn't good, but it probably wasn't the best. So you example. dipped into the haggis. Yeah. Was it like soupy or was it like a meat product? No, it was a meat product. It was like a sausage. A sausage. Yeah. yeah from what I remember. And what is it exactly? Sheep intestines. Right. And what's... Okay, that's the casing of the sausage. Is that what's in the sausage? It, if again, if memory serves, it was like a ground sausage. Right. Yeah. And it's just it's basically meat byproduct that they put into a shell casing of lamb intestine, and they call it. This wasn't good. even in the casing, though. Oh, really? Um, it was just, so from it was what just, I remember. So it was like a hamburger patty type thing. Kind of, but like yeah, broken up into broken crumbles. Up crumbles. Yeah. Crumbles of Haggis. Yeah. That's I've, the name of my new band. <laughs> Crumbles of Haggis. We do Iron Maiden covers. <laughs> I've done... Um, the other one on that trip, I think, was the uh, black and white pudding, I think is what they call it. It's blood blood sausage. Oh. They make it out of, yeah, blood. <laughs> it is what it sounds like. So they make the Haggis and they're like, we've got this leftover stuff. Let's call this black and white pudding. And I it's think that's what it blood is. and what's the white part? I don't remember. Maybe fattiness. I'm Fat, not sure. Yeah, yeah I really don't know. This that was a long gross. time ago. Yeah, I'm sure we have some Scottish good. listeners that are going to please send us emails well, about no the wonder of black and white pudding, pudding and haggis. No different than 
Americans hot dogs, to be honest. I beg to differ. Oh, really? Are you a big hot dog connoisseur? I'm just saying. Hot- there's no haggis eating contest on July 4th, but are there hot dog eating contests? Yes. In Scotland, there's a haggis eating contest. On July Somewhere. 4th? Somewhere. Somewhere. On you're, their you're just assuming that. Um, Scotland independent of what? I don't know. Talk to William Wallace about it. Um, it's a girlfriend play in Scotland. But right. anyways, hot yeah. dog, dude, is like the worst parts of I, the pig. Yeah. It's got to be like face meat, hoof meat. But there's meat. kosher dogs that are okay. Are there? I mean... All right. I didn't know you were a hot dog connoisseur. I will eat a hot dog at a ball game for sure. I'll have one once a year. I had a hot dog Friday. Did you really? Yep. How was it? It was good. You had a you had a ball game? No, I was on the golf course. Okay. Sauerkraut, pickles, mustard. Yeah. Wow. It must it have works. been kosher. It was flavorful. All right, man. Well, yes, we let's bored talk to a lot of people. Okay. So we might as well just lead off with the Piahi Challenge, the Big Wave World Tour that WSL put on. It's called the Piahi Challenge, right? Is it that is. the official name of it? Yep, unsponsored. Okay, so, I mean, lay it on me. I mean, I guess my people are calling that semifinal number two the greatest heat ever. Let's just start there. Semifinal number two, the greatest heat in surfing competition. Has there ever been a greater heat than this? David, did you hear some of the... I heard it with the qualifier that it was the greatest big wave heat ever oh there's no doubt about that okay but so your people are claiming it's also the greatest heat ever i thought i heard mike parsons say that in one of the yeah conversations maybe. online that it was the sick claim that I, I he mean, did regardless of whether he did or not claim that he did of so course that, he did yeah, yeah no I mean, he did so anyway is it the and quite frankly i think it's up there in the greatest heat ever of surfing competition yeah. When you're surfing 35-foot waves, how can... And it's an incredible heat, and guys are getting 10s. How can it be not as good as 6- to 8-foot waves when guys are getting 10s? Here's what you want to have happen. For it to be the greatest heat, it the scale has to keep getting reset, and bigger and bigger sets have to come, and more frequency even, so... And was this happening? Yes, yes exactly. That's, yes. that's what set the stage for the excitement level, because Ryan Hipwood got his crazy 10 yeah which you just think cannot be outdone throughout the event right and then i forget somebody else got a 10 before ian walsh's um and then that guy kai lenny or might have somebody got a huge score either kemper yeah, it was or like a nine something it wasn't a 10 uh, okay maybe it was i don't know uh, it wasn't as good as hipwoods though right i felt like the second one it was like it was super gnarly and i think it might have been i don't know yeah. anyway i watched it today actually but oh okay i there were but so many good scores and so the, many good rides. So it just kept coming. The yeah. waves kept coming. Guys kept going and resetting, resetting the bar. And I believe Ian Walsh's was in that heat as well. Yes, and at it was. that point, you're just like, well, that can't get reset. Like, that was ridiculous. That was the best wave we've ever seen surfed in big wave competition, I would say, ever, period. Well, see, it's interesting because now we're putting this qualifier. Oh, but it was in the big wave realm or it was a big wave tour event, and that's why it's the greatest heat relative to the WSL, WCT. No, maybe it's not. I kind of think, I mean, we've just been ingrained. It's just been in our culture that the guy that catches the biggest wave and rides it the best is the winner or is the best surfer. I mean, from the days of Greg Knoll at Makaha, like it's just always been in our DNA that, look, when you surf, who got the bomb? Mm-hmm. And, oh, the guy got the bomb and he got spit out of a backdoor tube doing it. 
Yeah, he did. Well, then that's the greatest competitive surf heat or wave ever. Isn't the the purpose of surfing to to get an incredible tube ride? Yes. Yeah, that's the highest thing. And he got it in 35-foot waves at Jaws, and he backdoored it and was spit out and made it through another section. Yeah. He was behind the foam ball. Yeah. I mean, that's it. There's mm-hmm. no greater wave ridden ever in surfing competition unless getting tubed, backdoor spit out on a 35-foot wave isn't the ultimate. It's the ultimate. I want to jump on the bandwagon. The only caveat I have oh God, here we is... Go. It's not even comparable to what guys are doing at lowers. Yeah, because it's so much bigger and gnarlier and heavier. It's nobody, bigger, it's nobody bigger. Had, the only guy at lowers that could have done that was Ian Walsh. It's bigger, gnarlier, and heavier for sure, but it's almost an entirely different sport. No, it's wave riding. Surfing. You take a foam board with fiberglass on it, fins, you, and you catch waves. Is it's that, called surfing. Is that anywhere similar to what you do? I have surf. I have ridden big waves in my twenties. Yeah, I went and did that. That's something that is that anything similar to your current surfing? What Ian Walsh no, I'm is doing? Fifty two years old. That's what I'm saying. It's a different sport entirely. It's almost like no, it's not a different sport. We can't even equate the things. What do you, you mean know? you can't equate them what to what mean? the guys are doing at lowers? Felipe, right? Felipe well, doing no, a big but, backside or John John's big backside air in France is hard to compare. To Ian Walsh's wave is all. That yeah, I'm they're saying. uncomparable. Right, right. I agree. Because Ian Walsh's is that much better. Yes. <laughs> Who yeah. did the air in France that blew your mind, Gabe? John John. John John. Okay. John John can actually go out of Jaws and do that. True. And so, therefore, we have one of the greatest surfers, if not the greatest surfer in the world. And yeah. this is, brings me back, of course. You know yeah. where I'm going to go. The d- Let me guess. <laughs> the waves being the stars. Well, the waves are the stars, obviously, but the CT surfers need oh, a stop. Yeah on the tour that puts them in this situation whether it's at jaws or whether it's at puerto escondido which i'm starting to feel like is a is a is an easier play for the wsl to have a big wave world tour stop at puerto escondido you don't even need to call it a big wave; it's just at puerto and we've got a month in july or august when guaranteed it's going to be 25 foot Mm -hmm. and it always is like the month of august i guarantee you're going to get 25 foot swell Mm -hmm. and so this kind of Brings me full circle to that same old talking point. I, I know I'm probably boring some listeners. They're like, here he goes. But I do feel like if we're going to claim that the WCT is pinning the greatest surfers in the world as the champion, as a champion of their tour, they need to surf in these situations because this is the pinnacle. Yeah. If what Ian Walsh did is the greatest thing ever in surfing competition, and it is, yeah. then the WCT needs to be involved in that. Or you don't have a world champion. Yeah. And check this out. Yeah. Okay, a lot of people are going to go, oh, but it's the big wave guys. They're specialists, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but we know for a fact Kelly Slater has won at Mavericks. John John Florence has won at YMA Bay. Ian Walsh has won at QS, or he maybe even won at CT. I know he's won at QS. Kelly's won at Mavericks? Yeah, I think Kelly won at Mavericks. I know he's won at YMA. One year, maybe Kelly got second to flee. Maybe. I thought Kelly won it once. I don't know. But the point is, those guys can do it, right? Shane Dory and all these guys can do it. These guys that were on the CT, the good, the really best surfers can do it. And so let's let them do it. They need to do it. It's part of what the WSL is all about. It would be like, you know, okay, we've got the NBA and this team's really good, but they don't have a seven-foot player, so they're not going to play the team with a seven-foot player because it wouldn't be fair. 
But they're the best passing guard team. You know, that's yeah, a horrible analogy. It is. But uh, I was going to say, I think that your reference points are all in yesteryear. Like the era that you came from, to be the best surfer in the world, you had to be a complete waterman. However, John John is still doing that today. So while I would think like Kelly and Shane were the last of that era, being able to compete on the CT level and go out and charge massive waves, John John is cut from that same cloth. So I would argue, I was going to argue that there's a trend going away from that where it is more guys, things are getting so gnarly that there's an air specialist guy and there's a big wave specialist guy and you can't be all except yes, John, you can be all except John is, if you want to be the world's greatest surfer. Yeah. Then you become all. Well, John is the one, you know, fly in the ointment. Kai Lenny. No, but Kai Lenny, you always use Kai Lenny. When have you seen Kyleni rip small waves? You've seen him surf small waves. Are you telling waves. me that Kyleni can't rip small waves? No, I'm saying I've never seen it. Right, but I'm saying it. I'm quite confident Kai can do it. Based all. on what? Based on I've seen everything. You haven't seen him rip small waves. Okay. Now, when I say rip, I'm saying not Philippe Toledo style. Yes, yeah. not what like the local no, I guy at Huntington Pier can surf. Yeah. Well, again, my point is is that let's find a, a well-rounded world champion. And a well-rounded world champion does all those things. Yeah. And if it's John John Florence and no one else can do it, well, guess what? Everyone else on tour needs to start getting 10 sixes and learning how to do it because we have this level, the elite, and it needs to be there. It needs to stay there. Yeah. We can't digress into segmentation where we have big wave guys. We have big wave guys that wear vests, big wave guys that don't wear air and filled vests. That's a whole different thing. Big wave guys that ride single fins without leashes. That's a whole nother segment. Before you know it, it's just a bunch of bull. Yeah. And again, if I think if we didn't have John John to point to, we can point to John John and go, this guy's done it. Yeah. And frankly, you know, you could point to like Jamie O'Brien. There's a, there's a lot of guys that... There's not a lot of guys. Well, I mean, there's, there's not just one. Guys. There's not just one no, right. is what I'm saying. Right. Kelly Slater could go surf Jaws and do well in a CT event at Lowers. Um, Albie Layer, Jamie, Albie. And I bet you'd be surprised. Like the Gudowskis brothers, Pat Gudowskis has proven he can ride big waves. He's, he's uh, what's the word I want? Serviceable at Lowers. I, you know oh, he can yeah. make he no, can make beyond. the finals. Oh, totally! I wouldn't be surprised if his brother Tanner wouldn't surprise you. There's guys like Owen Wright. Um, there's guys that would surprise you Josh if they Kerr. had to. Josh, Josh Kerr, Kerr, Damian Hobgood. for sure. Damian Hobgood, great example. And I think if you had to, if if they're like, oh, you know what? There's a big wave event on the tour every year now. Those guys would adjust their game, and you'd be surprised. They're, I know Gabe Medina would step up to the plate. I have no doubt. And Adriano de Souza would definitely step up to the plate. There's tons of guys that would do it because they had to. All right, devil's advocate. Okay. Um, would Ian Walsh be able to do what he did at Jaws had he been focusing a lot of his energy on, let's say, chasing QS points throughout the year and trying to do airs on, you know, waist high waves? Well, you're saying that. W- that I'm they're saying mutually exclusive. No, he- they're not mutually exclusive. But to do what. The whatever the airs that Felipe is doing requires a full 100% dedication to learning how to do those airs. To do what Ian Walsh did requires a full dedication to do what he's doing. I don't think you can defer your energies into being the best, being the most. If you if you're going to become the most well-rounded, the sport won't grow at the pace that it's growing, or each individual segment of the sport won't grow at the seg- rate that they're growing. 
Uh, I mean, okay, you're playing devil's advocate. I doubt that. You know, that's just like maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. We don't know because we haven't I'm right <laughs> because we haven't explored <laughs> the opportunity. You know. we, but but when you listen to Ian, look at look at his training regimen. The guy is so gnarly and so focused on what he's doing. I think if you backed- he spent the whole summer like on a sailboat, like he could have spent that doing aerials. How do you know he spent the whole summer on a sailboat? I thought I heard him mention that they went exactly. Like, they just like you thought. My you point heard is, he has, he has free time to go on a sailboat. You got free time to practice your air game or to train for the big waves. I did hear him say something in post interview. I don't know what. But it was only for a second. We, so again, we, we the have worst. absolutely no. He said sources. something. Okay, he said something. Yeah. No, he said something about training. About like he was just he spent three months prepping, and from this he's going into that. And like we've seen, uh, distance between dreams, his film, and he is so focused on training. That's why you and I were texting before the final, and you, we said, "Who's your pick for the final?" And I'm like Ian Walsh, dude, because the guy. That I know the, that that was the easy pick. I it, thought. I thought. Well, when then why'd you pick Kyle Lenny? Because I didn't want to go with the obvious. I wanted to go with. <laughs> I wanted to go with. It's because you love Kyle Lenny. <laughs> okay, here's a, like here's another handsome. thought. Here's another thought about this. Yeah. Okay, um, we have a big wave world. We have a WCT stop at Jaws, a big wave event. Now there's 16 surfers according to my format. There's 20 when you include the four wild cards. Well, guess who the four wild cards are? Ian Walsh, Billy Kemper, and pick two other guys. You Why know. Though? Who? Oh, they're they're the wild cards at this one. Yeah, stop. and the wild cards at lowers where the airs get crazy are whoever, and therefore we've raised. Now you've got wild cards. They got nothing to lose except they need to win this event because it's on their home turf, and they're the experts. Yeah, and they're also guys that could go to lowers and surf and be respectable. It's not like it's not like Garrett McNamara or something. A jaw, you know. It's like yeah. So you get the four of the best big wave guys, Billy Kemper. Ian Walsh, Albie Lair, and whoever. There's a bunch of them yeah. you could pick from. And then you do the same at Lowers or wherever your little ripper wave is on tour, yeah. right? And so you get wild cards that are that put the fear of God in the 16 guys that are on tour. That Those wild cards have a big say in how the final outcome of the season, who the champion is, based on just them being in these kind of, for lack of a better phrase, specialty events. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very exciting. You have like legit wild cards that can then Ian Walsh can just practice mm-hmm. all year to be in the big wave and doesn't have to do aerials. Like he's just a wild card, right. and that's going to up the game of the Adriano de Souza's and all those guys that are like, oh shit! Not only do I got to go surf Jaws, I got to go do it against the two time champion Billy Kemper. Right. So, anyway. yeah, I dude, I'm on board. I think it makes for super exciting and dramatic, uh, com- competitive, you know, surfing. Um, did you watch the contest live both days? Uh, I watched some on the first day and uh, semifinal two on on the second day. Okay. Um, how was your experience? We've you and I have talked about big wave events can be boring, and we often don't watch them. But I know we watched the Piahi event last year, and we definitely watched the um, why the Eddie last year, and those were super exciting. We didn't watch anything in between then and now. Was your experience watching it live exciting enough to actually warrant a live viewing? Well, yeah, and mostly because the waves are the stars. I mean, that semifinal heat number two, 
had so many waves and so many waves per set. Each set mm-hmm. had like eight or the very first, the very start of that heat, all six guys caught a wave and one guy caught two waves. Yeah. That's within six minutes, five yeah. minutes. Yeah. You're just going, whoa. And then it didn't stop. It yeah. just got better. Right. And so if the waves of the stars, i.e. there's plenty of waves to watch, yeah. which keeps you and I fan engagement thorough and in, yeah. you know we're invigorated by it. We're I, engaged. I have often shamed the big wave world tour as like like I don't want to watch it. I'll watch the post package. I completely go back on that now. Like I completely was wrong. Watching it live was unbelievable. And I don't think that You've said this twice. I don't think all events are that way. Exactly. Like, it's not like next event I'm gonna feel the same way. This just happened to be Phenomenal swell, like all the conditions came together right, so it made for a phenomenal event. I'm not suggesting all will be in the future. However, um, well, yeah, I, think I was so s- engaged. Like if if I look back at my favorite contests of the past year, it was the the Eddie last year, the Piahi Challenge last year. Pipe is always equally exciting because of the drama, you know, uh, of the waves, like you said. But this was just an absolute spectacle. I was I was like. Every wave that popped up on the horizon, I was glued to the computer. Yeah, you, the, you were the, the waves of the stars, and the surfers shoot those stars. Whoa, Boom! You got a new PR slogan. slogan. <laughs> See, hey. I, when you said the wave, waves of the stars in text to me, I didn't want to argue with you, but I was like, that really minimizes Ian Walsh's ability because, let's be honest, there's only a handful of guys out here in the world who can do any of this, and. We're watching. But you can't do it without the waves. But the, and that's my point. Yeah. You, you can't have surf stars without killer waves. And to your point about um, some big wave events you just can't watch, that's because the waves are crappy. And I would say to you, Mush yeah, did, Burger, did you watch Brazil? The WCT of Brazil? Yeah. I watch all the WCT events. Yeah, you but know you kind of have to almost. Yeah. It's not like you it's were engaged. My, my right. point is, is yeah. that there's tours... Wherever it is, there's QS events. There was a QS event at Chopu in 98, which could be argued was the best pro event ever. The yeah. Kobe Aberton beat, what's his name, in a really um, contentious final. Yeah. The outcome was contentious. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, the Goofy Foot from the Big Island. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. He had a housing issue here that you reported on. A housing issue here. Yeah, Dude, like some no fraud, idea. some housing fraud or something. I have no idea. I'm <laughs> I, sorry. I can't remember. My memory is terrible. I've gone on a surf trip with him. I can't even remember. His oh, name. Conan Hayes. Yeah, Conan should have won that Chopu. My point is it was a QS. The waves were there. It was like people were talking about it. Yeah. That's the event that turned it into a CT event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's CT events where the waves, you're like, oh, the waves are lame. I really don't want to watch this, but I'm going to because it's kind of my job and I've yeah. got to report. No, I hear you. Yeah, so... Big wave, you can't just say that's the case on the big wave tour is what I'm saying. That's the case on many tours. Well, and or the WSL has done a better job honing in like the swell windows and the contest waiting period, production of the event, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've tried to watch the the big wave event somewhere in South America. I don't know, wherever it was. You know, there's some big waves down there and they... Yeah. It's just not that good. Yeah, that's true, but that was a while ago. You know what I mean? Like, the... The WSL could be doing a better job at what they're doing and making our experience better in the, in the time that we I think they are. Play. I think what they need to do is trim down. We know where there's spots where we're going to get exciting fan engagement. Well, and they've narrowed it down. There's only they three have. waves on tour yeah, now. You know? Right. So. I agree. 
Um, there's a couple other things about this event. Number one, the cast of characters, I think, is so diverse and fascinating. When they interview any of these guys or they start to tell some of their backstories, I think they're completely fascinating and so ripe for storytelling. Give me an example. Grant Twiggy Baker. Why right? wasn't he in the event? Because he flew for two days. They call on these events with like three days warning, basically. Yeah. He spent two full days traveling from South Africa, landed in Maui one hour after his heat started. He missed his heat. Oh. Uh, after traveling 48 hours. That's not very professional. It's as, He left at the drop of a hat. I was just kidding. You know? <laughs> But he did. He left at the drop of the hat, but he's that far away. And yeah. these, these events have so little warning, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but he, South African guy, he's made money in the past. I don't think he has a main sponsor now, but like has invested that money, owns restaurants, a nightclub in South Africa. And he's like a working, he's a working man in addition to chasing big waves throughout the, here's the other guy who I thought was pretty interesting. I don't know if you saw any of his waves. His name's. Lucas Chianka? Yeah, he was the goofy foot in semifinal number two. Yeah. How gnarly is that guy? He does this flutter takeoff technique, and I thought that it was an accident at first, but Pete Mel talked about it at, at length. That's his whole strategy. It's his whole strategy, Just dude. to look as gnarly and as out of control. He stands Borderline. way back on the tail yeah. and gets up at the top of the wave and does like a bunny hop so the wave catches under the board. Cavitates his board. And he starts, he like does like a fluttery thing down the face. Yeah. And then when he gets to the end section, kind of does an ollie again to make it look. <laughs> and to me, first of all, it, it's... It know. works. It looks super wild and out of control and dramatic, yeah. which I think was adding points. But I couldn't help but feel like it was uh, Jadson Andre when Jadson beat Kelly Slater in Rio 10 years ago, where it was like, what he's doing is so wild and dramatic, but I think it's kind of a gimmick. You <laughs> it's know a little I mean? bit of a sideshow. <laughs> it's it? a little bit of a gimmick. And like he beat Kelly because it was so gnarly. But then like within a contest or two, judges realized, oh, it's a one trick pony. He doesn't actually know how to do like a, t a bottom turn. <laughs> so they they then reset their judging scale. But that's how I felt about this guy, Lucas. However, everybody I've I've heard his name come up over the years. People have told me to watch out for the guy that he is like really, really gnarly. And yeah. he undoubtedly charges. But that flutter technique is, um, it'll be interesting to see if it finds its way into big wave surfing or if it is just a sideshow, you know? Yeah, I mean, whew, what a great event. You know, um, the commentators did a great job. Um, Dave Wassel's sort of interesting, isn't he? I love him. Do you? I do love him. I think he tries a little too hard. Hmm. I think he feels like he has to entertain. Yeah. That's all, and I'm being hypercritical. He does a good job. I'm not doubting. He knows what he's doing. He knows, but it seems like he's always just searching for. He's like a quicker strider. He's like he's always searching <laughs> for some funny little anecdote, and he pulls it off. But it's like he almost barely doesn't. Like he barely pulls it off. There's a fantastic YouTube mashup of everything that he said during a Volcom. I think it was the Fiji Pro a year or two, three years right, ago. We need to get that on, on this. It. Let's try to get that on this episode. Yeah, yeah I will. I'll, or I'd I'll like post the that. video on spitpodcast.com. Can you pull the audio? That's a lot of work. I could pull the audio. I mean, to put it in there, I know that's a lot of work. But. No, it's not. I mean, I'll if I can splice it in right now and yeah. we'll cut to that, that I will. Cool. All right. And then you and I. Here's the break where that would happen. And we're back. How funny was Dave Wassel, dude? <laughs> 
So, no, but seriously, it's a mashup of everything, like every little metaphor and analogy that he comes up with, which is like, I, I can't even think of a funny one now, but it is like, oh, the maple syrup has drifted off the pancakes and he's mopping it up with his bacon, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Where did that come from? Yeah. But for him, it's probably like coconut syrup off the macadamia pancakes. Yeah. You know? um, but it's hilarious. He's entertaining for funny. sure. But I've never seen him on the ski before like he was in this event. I'm used to him being actually in the booth as the color guy where he's money. I, he's I colorful. Yeah. He's, he's a he's a good broadcaster and um you get the sensor like hey dave we're doing it we need you to fly over uh, send us your expenses we'll cover it and here's a hundred bucks or whatever and he just yeah. like shows up and gets on the back of the ski my point is is that i think if there was a little bit of pre-production with him um that they would have to pay him to do you know it would be a much more polished sort of on the water segment um what would that pre-production be it would just be like get to know the competitors a little oh, bit more, okay. get some backstory. You know, like in football, they have pre-production meetings where they'll meet with the quarterback and meet with the prime players and get some backstory and get a feeling for what they've been doing prior so that they have something to draw on yeah. when they cut to you on the ski. You can go, you know what? We spoke with him yesterday, and the interesting thing is he has a cut on his foot. And, oh, that cut on the – and then he can go into one of his funny analogies about that cut on the foot's worse than a – you know, whatever. I don't know. Beasting on the balls or, I, you know, who knows? I thought when you said pre-production, they just hand him a thesaurus. Just like, here you go, buddy. That could be Stuck part of it. He up. doesn't need a thesaurus. He's got a pretty That's true. good That's true. handle. But anyway. Yeah, great event. Yeah, super good event. Now, last thing. Yeah. Is there, if this was the greatest surfing heat in the history of competitive surfing, I have heard that come out of Mike Parsons' mouth right. and others. Pete Mills, too. And I think maybe the WSL might have put it on their Twitter feed. I heard Kelly Slater say it. I did too. I saw that on his Insta. Yep. Right? I heard John John say it too. Okay, so... I heard everybody say it. Everyone's saying it. I heard Scott Bass say it. Well, I'm just saying it because they said it. Yeah. My point is, can you think of a heat in a WCT situation, that, or any competitive surfing situation that was greater than this? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I should have started thinking of them five minutes ago. Uh, the one that I could think of off the top of my head was... Something I talked about recently, the finals event at a Vulcan Pipe Pro three or four years ago. John, 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 John gave Jamie. Jamie the high five yeah. and paddled over and got the 10 and won. Yeah, that was almost more of a moment, though. The it was Kelly, exciting. The Kelly it wasn't man. the whole heat that you went, oh, my God, it's good. maybe, but True. Mean, the ways were good for that event, though. They got, yeah, I mean, they put themselves into a position where they both had nines, so they that yeah. was a good heat up until then. Yeah. Um, the Kelly and Andy at Backdoor, I think. I forget, maybe Corey was in the heat, something. When Andy won it? Yeah, Andy won it. Yeah, that was Corey and, and Machado, I think. Yeah, World Tide was on the line. Parker, it was got, Machado and Corey and Andy and Kelly. And Andy got the two out of combo in the last minute or yeah, two. And yeah. then um, got won the, won the heat in the world title. Um, well, the other one that, that's... So there would be a list, and I'm sure there is already a list of the top ten ever heats Kel the big one for me is the chopu event kelly's comboed by bruce irons bruce has got a 19.8 he's got a 10 and a 9.8 kelly's comboed and with six minutes left kelly gets back-to-back tens -back yeah and gets a 20 that's right up there so there have been the wave that he got too made it spectacular where he does the layback yeah. fall thing and yeah. late drop so kelly there, kelly and john john at chopu two years ago semifinal. Yeah, and even Owen Wright Chopu final was it a year ago? Not this one, Clabric. but the 
Cloud break, right. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's heats that are out there, but it'd be fun to kind of measure them all up somehow uh, in a video format, you know, where you could kind of look at them and review them and mm-hmm. go, hmm, which ones. But a lot of it has to do with where you're at emotionally at the time. Mm-hmm. To pull back in retrospect and look at them from afar after five years might take some of the emotion out of it. Yeah. Well, you know, I... Um I don't go to Hawaii every year like a lot of the surf industry does. And I've been to Hawaii, you know, a handful of times in my life. Family vacations, young, and then also as an adult. But I try to just ignore it. I kind of just, in my head for the last few years, I go, who cares about Hawaii anymore? I don't even want to go to Hawaii. You don't want to go. I don't want to go to Hawaii. Why would you want to go? It's such a nightmare. It's such a scene. And, like, I love Southern California. I get good waves here. Good enough waves. Like, no big deal. many better places to go than crowded north shore during the season i'm not even saying go to the north shore during the season but secretly i'm so jealous dude are you this this event kind of reminded me that i look forward to this time of year and just being a spectator from afar but my experiences in hawaii have always been absolutely phenomenal and I'm super jealous of all the people that get to go to these events. The contests are better. Like the HIC Pro just started at sunset. It's like, dude, the contest, the waves are killed. Have you ever been? Did I ask you this? Have you for ever the, been? For, for the comp season? Yeah. No, not yeah. for the comp season. Okay, you have to go for the Pipe Masters. Yeah. you got to go for the Pipe Masters. Yeah. Oh, breaking news. There is no more Pipe Masters. Did you see this? No. Did you see this email that went out from the WSL's Renato Hickel? No. This is a joke. No, it's not a joke. When did this email go? Let me just read this to you. Okay. This happened a couple days ago. Okay. Bear with me here. Well, while you're searching. I got it. Oh, okay. I got it right here. Okay, okay. WSL Deputy Commissioner Renato Hickel. I'm quoting an article from SwellNet. WSL Deputy Commissioner Renato Hickel spoke to Caterina Domingos at Portuguese sports newspaper O Hogo about the coming reshuffle, WSL reshuffle. It was the WSL's first public confirmation of the tour changes. In 2019, the plan is to start the season in February in Hawaii and end it in September in Tahiti. This is what Hickel told the newspaper. Followed by a special event in which the five or six of the best male ranking and top three or four of the females would decide the world title. This event would, in principle, be in Indonesia. So there you have it. No more Pipe Masters. So that's not No More Pipe Masters. It starts... It's no more pipe masters ending the WCT. Well, that's a pretty big difference. That's well, it's a huge difference. You might as well not have it. <laughs> Get out of here! You got to end the whole I event agree. at no, pipe, dude. I, Come I would on. prefer that, but that's not the same as pitching the story as there's no more pipe masters. Okay, well, when is it? Probably January. No, the season starts in February. Oh, it's in February. Uh, well, at any rate, there is still a pipe masters. So I'm not. I agree with you on your second point, which is they should always end at pipe. But, and by the way, we're not hyping this story very much because we've reported on this, that this was rumored to take place. So you're saying Renato's just verifying the rumor? Yeah, basically what happened is, yes, this is the first comment since that kind of leaked when they were here for the Trestles event. The right, WSL had their right. their big meeting and it kind of leaked out, but no one really knew. And WSL was tight-lipped about it. And now yeah. Renato has said as much, probably 
I'm guessing without the approval of the WSL. I wonder, yeah. Because they would have put out a press release and, it, and everybody was mum about it. Yeah. So, um, they're also, he's also saying it will be 22 surfers. Okay. No, wait, excuse me, hold on. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, considering that they... He said, no, the numbers are going to stay the same. There'll be 34, the top 22 stay, and two, 10 new ones come in from the QS. Considering that they take all of your other advice, let's start ramping now for them to finish with pipe instead of start with pipe, and then hopefully by the time... Well, as you recall, around, according to my, re- my own format of what the WSL should do, uh, it starts at pipe and ends at pipe. Vulcan right. Pipe Pro, right. and it ends up Pipe Master. So they're already starting. They just got to make sure they end there again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm on. I'm on board. Um, breaking news. Breaking news, dude. Um, well, at any rate. I, the, what about the women the, at the big wave? <laughs> do you want to talk no, about that? No, forget it. Move on. Um, Those girls surf Paige good. They K. got balls. Paige Alm surfs good. They're, Congratulations. Yeah, Paige they deserve. two-time winner. They were great. Were you engaged as a fan? <sighs> yeah, uh, so I was really considering taking a nap after the men's final and then i was like i'll watch a few minutes of the women's final and it actually kept me engaged to where i postponed my nap until after the final all right well that's saying something but i do have a couple of thoughts um they constantly found themselves out of position or they would paddle for a wave that wasn't even actually going to break, and then they would be inside, turn around, and the bomb is coming out the back. So they got detonated by the set waves, which happened last year, and it's a shame. The other detail is a lot of them kept backing off at the moment where you need to commit. Kiala Kenley got sucked over the falls because of it. Somebody else did too. I forget, uh, Andrea Moeller, I believe, where it's like paddle, 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 and then the thing jacks right when you need to get to your feet, and then they pull back and then the worst thing happens, which is they get sucked over the falls. Super dramatic. I would not have the balls to go. I wouldn't even be out there. But still, like that, it's not, it's not. Um, is it an engaging fan experience? For one heat, yeah. Yeah, for you, one could, heat, you yeah. could handle one heat's worth. And Paige found herself in the critical spot she on looked the big ones because she surfs out there all the time. So she did the French the girl. The French girl looked great, Justine yeah. Dupont. Yeah, she's she's actually they were legit gnarly. Um, now the one other detail is Bianca Valenti's final wave right before the buzzer was gnarly, and she she somehow only got like a three point ride. Like she caught nothing throughout the whole heat. I know. And I was I thought it would be like a real Me shame too. if Me she too. got skunked. Me too. But in the dying, let's say. Eight minutes, she got a score. And it was yeah. a, a pretty small score. It was a off on the shoulder. Yeah. And then she gets out back, and within the last minute or two, she took off on a bomb and got a pretty sick ride that I thought could push her up to at least the second position. Mm. And they, the heat ended. We were waiting for scores to drop. And I literally, I was like, this is going to change the whole outcome of the event. 
and then they demand they declared Paige Alm the winner and her score. I feel like it never even registered on the the scores. I feel like it always had her lower score in there. Like it was like a three point seven or something. I was like, "There's no way that was at least a six point ride." I feel like she kind of got screwed. Is my okay? Whole point. Well, maybe she did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, how about? Are you ready for my inland surf park commentary? I've been dying. It's kind of long. Do you think you can hang with me? Think the listeners can? Every hang time with me? listeners, I get feedback from listeners. They want more show. They're like, dude. Okay, I'm going to read this. Yeah, okay? go. When I see a wave, I'm drawn to it. I mind surf it. I wonder about it. I want to ride it. And I imagine riding it. David, I bet that's true of you too. Totally. It doesn't matter where I see the wave or how the wave is created. A mini peeler inside the harbor, a river bore, a boat wake, wind, Disney World, Texas, whatever, wherever. Salt water, fresh water, waves enthrall me. David, do waves enthrall you? Absolutely. Whatever, wherever? Dude, mind surf them all the time. Most surfers are enthralled. Wouldn't it be cool if you could ride that? A question many of us have said many times. Probably right now as you read this, a surfer is watching a wave and mind surfing it. I took an early flight from San Diego with only backpacks and an open mind. My friend and I boarded our morning flight and arrived at Austin International Airport midday. Inland Surf Park is only 10 minutes via Uber from the airport. It cost 16 bucks. A brief drive through Texas farmland, and we came upon the entrance to the Inland Surf Park. An unassuming driveway with a few vinyl banners inviting us to drink, eat, and surf. Three large flags flying high in the sky. The United States flag, the state of Texas flag, and the Inland Surf Park flag. Out of the Uber and literally fresh off the plane, eating, drinking, and surfing sounds perfect. I'm geeked up. I'm peering around. I'm trying to get a glimpse of the wave, my excitement level, just shy of a 10-year-old arriving at Disneyland. And I embrace it. I'm 52 years old. We're greeted with a loud smile and a welcome to Inland Surf Park. Is this your first time here? The Texas hospitality, David, was genuine. This wasn't a high school kid on summer break moaning out the vapid company greeting, but rather a sincere, friendly tone of let me help you. Our kind greeter gave a quick tour, pointed us in all the right directions, sign the waiver here, get the food there, watch the intro video down there, rent surfboards over there, have fun. It was without a doubt the first time I've been to a surf spot and felt so welcome. We had two hours prior to our first heat. Yes, each one-hour session is referred to as a heat in this inland surf park. My waiver signed. We decided to eat. The food was very good. Two flavorful mahi tacos, cabbage, pico de gallo, chili lime cream sauce. $12 seemed fair, especially considering how tasty the tacos were. You can sit inside with air conditioning or outside with a slightly better view of the waves as they peel off. Bottled water was pricey at $4. A quick money-saving tip. Get a water cup and drink the water from the fountain. The menu contains plenty of health-conscious options, by the way, David. Quinoa, an avo bowl, pokey, edamame. And frankly, I'd eat at this restaurant again. David, I think you'd like this restaurant. It was flavorful. With or without the wave pool. The food was delicious, and I wasn't stuffed, but perfectly primed for two hours in the park. It's important. Inland is well-stocked, David, with a variety of proven surfboard models from Lost and Channel Islands. I didn't bring a board. Right. Remember, just a backpack yeah. on the plane. I chose a 5'9 lost puddlefish with a quad setup on the suggestion of Sam, the knowledgeable and friendly 
inland board caddy. Board rental, $25, and well worth it, as bringing my board would have cost a minimum of $50 each way. There's also an option to buy ding insurance, 15 bucks. Hilarious. I didn't do that. The park consists of nine football fields of water split in two, right down the middle, vertically by a pier. On the left, you're looking down the pier. It's the west bowl. On the right, the east bowl. Underneath the pier is where all the technology and magic happen. A pulley system pulls and or pushes an underwater plow, I'm not sure which, which creates the wave. At least that's what it looks like to the naked eye. The water temperature, 68 degrees. The fresh water color, brackish and or brown, but not silty or dirty. And I thought I smelled some chlorine, which I appreciated, quite frankly. I was never concerned about the water quality. It seems inland management has that figured out. My friend and I suited up, watching the waves roll through. The wind was light, generally glassy. And when the wave pulley apparatus drove into the wind, occasionally it threw gentle offshore plumes into the sky. We were psyched. Our time was soon. I wore a short sleeve full suit. And I was warm. Mm-hmm. 68 degree water. Hug the fence, David. That's the advice I'm going to give you and all the listeners. Okay. Hug the fence. Here's some tips for you. Are you ready? Yep. A surf guide met us at the lagoon entrance, and he gave us a quick overview and helpful pointers. Here they are. Number one, first wave of the heat is always the smoothest. The water settles down between heats. First wave gets a smoother wave. Number two, hang as close to the pier as possible. Hug the fence. There's a fence on both sides of the pier, which juts down on each side into the water. This fence keeps the pulley system enclosed, keeps you safe. When the pulley system come, when it comes to catching waves, excuse me, when it comes to catching waves or dodging other surfers, the fence is your friend. You want to hug the fence. Stay close to the fence. Did I say hug the fence? You did. Number so when th- you're taking off, you want to be right up against the fence. Literally holding the fence with my hand. Wow. Okay. There are inland surf park banners hanging from the pier. These are your lineup markers. So you look up at these banners. The lineups, I line up with the banner. When the pulley and the waves start to move toward you, and they get about 15 yards away, you turn and you start paddling. Hug the fence. Do not paddle away from the fence. The fence is your friend. Once the wave is upon you, dig really hard, harder than you normally would for a wave in the ocean. The natural force of the wave will push you toward the middle of the lagoon. This is not good. You want to hug the fence. Immediately upon catching the wave, do a quick mid-face turn and get going toward the fence. All of the forces are pushing you away from the fence. It is very easy for the wave to pass you by. Do not lay into a deep fading Tom Kern bottom turn. You will get passed by. Do not do a roundhouse cut back. You will get passed by. Hug the fence. Order, David. Order. There is no drama at Inland Surf Park. There is order. You wait your turn, then you go. No back paddlers, no psychological war games, no puffy chests, no spitting to mark territory, no crossed arms, no scowls. It's all love, David, and order does that. This is part of the Inland experience I found particularly refreshing. The understanding and the happiness that flowed from the order. There was no pecking order, just order. It was now my turn. The first wave of the heat, a right-hander. I'm hugging the fence, anxious, my overblown California surf ego on the line. Everybody's watching. I think they're watching me, but they're not. That's just my ego. If I fall, all of those eroded plastic NSSA trophies will be for naught. 
30 years of fake will be exposed like the wrinkles of my failing Botox. I'm inwardly chanting, must make wave, must make wave, must make wave. It's a high-pitched whirring, followed by light mechanical gear clanking. A notification on my iPhone, similar to a notification on my iPhone, some brain chemistry is triggered. The sound of the wave-making pulley creates a little jolt of excitement, dopamine. I hear the sound and I know my time is at hand. It's my turn to catch a wave. Further proof, the large and concrete fin attached to the plow that runs underneath the pier starts moving toward me. I just turned the page. You're rolling your eyes. No, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm sitting next to the fence, waiting as this thing approaches me. The situation is completely bereft of zen. I'm thinking way too much. This is never a good thing. I paddle hard, making sure to hug the fence. I get up to my feet and away I go. The wave is fast. Not like charging down the line at Rincon fast. No, it's hug the fence or get pushed into the lagoon fast. (laughs) It feels like I'm fighting it instead of flowing with it. I fight the power and eventually kick out. One completed ride under my belt. Success, perhaps, but by no means mastery. The next wave, I take off on a left. I'm just a smidgen late. A front toe drag results in my foot placement just a fraction off center. I adjust, but it's too late. I'm now at the bottom of the wave, watching helplessly as it peels on without me. There is no time for adjustments at Inland. Riding high in the wave face is the ticket. Never bottom turn, only mid-face turns. The higher I stay, the more I flow with the power. The lower I go, the more I fight the power. Any questions so far? Yeah. On the right, the first wave that you got, you said you kicked out. Why'd you, why'd you kick out? How long was the ride? Did you do any turns? Yes. I did turns the whole way, just kind of like mid-face, like roller coastery, kind of trying to just stay with the wave. Right. Um, I rode the wave for 30 seconds. It's probably a, you know two or three foot. It's a long wave. It's a long ride. Third, just think, 30 seconds of pumping. Right, but was there more wave to surf? No, I kicked out at the end of the wave. I kicked out at the end. And you caught it at the top? Yeah. Okay. So as I mentioned, the one-hour heat, it went by quickly. And I was in line to catch seven waves. And I blew it on two of them. I completed five waves. Wow. My friend and I take a two-hour break between heats. We spend the time eating more food, debriefing the first session, and cruising the pier for shameless selfies and Instagram fodder. I saw him. The next heat is all systems go. It's just the two of us. There's only two of us now. We got lucky. There's no waiting. I probably caught 12 waves, maybe more. In a related story, my buddy broke his leg. A freak accident while riding the wave. Are you kidding? Not kidding. What? He hobbled in with the help of the Inland Lifeguards, and I was left alone, catching every single wave. Have you ever been happier for a leg breaking in your life? (laughs) At one point, I paddled in thinking I got to go be with my bro, and the lifeguard guy that's out there goes, dude, just stay out here. He's got hours of paperwork to fill out yeah and there's nothing you could do like they've got right. it covered wait so real quick do you want to tell how he broke his leg or are you going to get to that i'll get to that in a okay minute. okay it was a freak accident the lifeguards helped them in and i'm left alone catching every single wave literally back and forth over and over i was exhausted my friend was traumatized mm-hmm. here's my takeaway from this whole thing we had a great time up until the leg breaking part sure <laughs> Then it was just me having a good time. <clears throat> Inland is pricey. $90 a heat. Would I do it again? Probably. 
Austin's a cool place. Great food, eclectic music. There's plenty to do and see. Of note, my surfing experience at Inland was advanced skill set. I surfed the reef wave. There are great options for first-time surfers, continued learning, or intermediate skill level surfing. From what I saw, the instruction in the beginning beginning waves were ideal for learning experience. Point is, Inland makes a great family vacation option. Mm. Everybody can surf a different level. So you fly to Austin, you surf a few sessions at Inland, you head to your hotel for a nap, you go to one of Austin's eateries, I'll suggest Tex-Mex at Peleons, then check out some live music at a club, the next day you surf again, brunch it afterwards, head over to campus for a UT Longhorns football game, after the game you fly back to California. What a cool vacation. Really good telling. Um, if you said that you would do it again, it also sounds like Austin itself is the draw and then the wave pool is part of that. Exactly. If the wave pool was in San Diego, would you ever surf it? Uh, if there was a, a particular wave drought, you know, and I was particularly flush with cash, I would do it. But it's it's kind of a hard sell if there's five or six. I think they allow five people on the, the main reef wave. Okay. And if you play your strategy right, you can probably get seven or eight waves, maybe nine. And that's based on guys that are in line ahead of you. All the guys I saw didn't make waves. Right. Like, it's not that they were kooks. They just, excuse me, they just weren't making waves. Yeah. And um, so the point is, is that if you don't make a wave... There's three takeoff spots. There's the top, the middle, and then the end of the wave. There's three banners that you line up with. So if you take off at the top and you fall and you're in the middle, you can paddle over to the middle and sit there and hope that the guy coming at you next falls. You can pick up the wave and ride it for 150 yards. Even when it's not your turn. Even when it's, yeah, in effect, it's your turn. You're allowed to do that. So the strategy is, depending on how many people there are, catch a wave all the way to the end you're not going to be able to catch a wave if you stay at the end for maybe two or three waves because the wave's got to go back and then go back to you and you might even be number two in line at the end okay so the strategy could be immediately after you finished your completed ride at the end paddle to the middle sit there and hope for a kook right which usually happens my experience was guys were not making waves and i didn't make a couple waves right and so with that strategy, you're going to get your $90 worth, and, and it's, a, it's a ton of fun. It's a good workout. Yeah. There's a lot of paddling, and um, it's a bucket list thing, too, you know? So I absolutely recommend it. Um, the price point is what the price point is. they got to make money. I'm sure that they're struggling. Yeah. I'm just guessing that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the problem, I guess, or you want to... A part of you sees the wave and you're just like, oh, this is the answer to every dream I've had since childhood. I guess Kelly's wave pool is more than this is. But when you describe surfing the wave itself, it really kind of uh, bursts the balloon for me. Where it's like, you can't do a bottom turn. You can't do a full, like, wrapping cutback. Because it's a down the... It sounds like a high tide, slopey, down the line, fast wave. Where you have to pump to continue to make sections, but it never actually stands up for you to hit a section. I hit sections. Okay. Um, on my second heat, I was doing off the lips. 
I was once he's figured it out. Yeah, I was banging, but they're real. They're not like big, drawn out turns for me. They weren't. They were more like mid face. I see it crumbling. Boom! Like tap floaters, taps. Yeah. Yeah, they were more like taps. And, and a lot of, like, fin check kind of, like, carves where you could throw spray with your fins yeah. and just stay with it and ride. And and it was fun. And the more of those taps you do, the more they lead into bigger taps where eventually you're maybe doing a legit, like, floater kind of off of the thing. Right. And I you don't believe me? It looks like... No, I'm saying right, but still not, like, a release of, like energy no. and like redirection no, and then that's not to say that you can't do that maybe i'm just not good enough to I mean, do that i saw albie Lay- not albie yeah albie and tori meister did a trip there last month with surfer mag yeah and they were doing it but they're the only guys i've seen do it there's um and the other guy then, too um nathan current oh, there's a video of nathan current doing yeah but but the nature of the beast because it's a plow wave Ocean waves have molecules in them and power and energy all the way down the line. Even where it's not breaking, there's tons of energy underneath the wave that's pushing the wave towards the shoreline. Yeah. A pulley wave, the power is just at the pulley. Once you go out onto the shoulder, right. there's no energy there for you to feel drive from the board and, and, and you're not getting energy underneath your feet yeah. to work with. So it's really about staying in that pulley zone where the energy of the wave resides what was the construction of the board you were writing it was just a standard poly okay great board yeah lost puddlefish thing a board that maybe normally i'd be like eh, i've got a tweener it's kind of like a tweener board yeah you know between high performance pro and a fish but after riding it i was like wow this board would be fun and by the way one other thing i'll note is that backside, I noticed I could do way better turns backside. Really? I was doing better, more deeper bottom turns, more deeper off the tops backside. I think that has something to do with being back-footed when you're backside. A lot of your power coming out of your heel, your back heel. Hmm. And I don't know. I, well, I didn't notice that. After all these years of you claiming you never go left, and here you are. Yeah, the lefts were better than the right. Here you are. Huh. Um you said that they are they maintain order in the pool. How do they maintain the order? There's um, surf guides that are in the water for every group. So there's a surf guide for the group on the reef. There's a surf guide for the group in the what they call the beginner wave. And then there's a, a guide for the guy that's kind of in the lagoon where it's just really soupy white waters. It's great for learning. So he's basically dictating whose turn it yeah, is? Yeah, he's kind of telling you. And you kind of know. I mean, you kick sure. out and there's either somebody at the banner or there isn't. Yeah. And if there's somebody at the banner, you're just not, you know, you're not going to like get in front of him. And Yeah. Because if, if, if you did something that sort of contentious or atrocious, they'd kick you out. They'd just be like, dude, you're out. Yeah. Get out. You got to get out. Fascinating. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So you're in line with guys and you meet all these neat people. I met a guy... Dr. Mike G. He's a sports psychologist out of Redondo Beach. He does a podcast. His podcast is called Finding Mastery. And he works with professional athletes. He's, a, as I say, a sports psychologist. And of course, I didn't, I didn't pin him on who he works with with the WSL, but he does work with pro surfers. Fascinating. And all sorts of pros, NBA guys and football guys. And, Interesting. Yeah. And there was a guy from Chicago there that had never surfed in the ocean, that rode wow. a boogie board that was kind of dominating. He, really? he was like the local. Really? Yeah, he flew from Chicago. He was a big guy, big smile, and he was doing well. He knew how to... Had he been there before? Oh, yeah. yeah he yeah. was like 
the guy's like, do this, do that. You know, he's on a boogie board. I was taking advice from a boogie boarder, and, and um, I was okay with it. This is what our life has come to. Right. Wave pools in Texas taking advice embrace, from boogie Embrace your inner coup. So It'll you, set you free, liberate you. You talked about the friend. it's the most friendly experience you've had at any surf spot. Well, more or less, you know, like usually when you go to a new surf spot, at least mm-hmm. when I go to a new surf sport, spot, I'm kind of on, I'm sussing it all out. You know, I'm trying to figure out who's who, what's going on, where's the wave break, what's the wind doing, what's the tide, who parks where, why, you know, like. And there's more Maybe scowls. that's my own. No, no, it's true. It's entirely representative of surfing. Like, and there's always more scowls than there are smiles. Yes. For exactly. sure. Even at my local spot. It's kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, there's spots in San Diego where the locals scowl at each other oh of course <laughs> where there's an unwritten rule that you're not allowed to say hi to each other on the on the trail into the spot well so that is something i heard somebody talking about with the piahi event is there's a real brotherhood there that maybe if you maybe it's only because it's like the uh one contest a year that everybody gets together for but there seems to be a camaraderie among that community that doesn't exist with your average surf spot. Maybe because everybody's life is on the line and you need to really look out for one another. Yeah, that could be. That's probably true. You know, once you get to that level, it's like, dude, you're too freaked out about the wave to be worrying about some wannabe local guys giving you stink eye. Like, yeah. dude, I've got way bigger issues than you <laughs> trying yeah. to tell me not to battle out here. How about we both battle out and we'll see how we both do. <laughs> it's 35 feet. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking out for you. You're looking out for me. Like, yeah. we need each other out here. Yeah. Which, um, that's clearly not the same thing at Enlin, but it is kind of interesting. Dude, it was super cool. Like I said, yeah. my takeaway is you got to go. You got to check it out. And and you're right. The bigger picture is the whole Austin trip. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was guys there from San Diego. There was a Formula One race there when I was there. So there was guys there to see the Formula One race in Austin that were surfers. Hmm. That's why the sports psychologist was there. He oh, was okay. working with a driver. Okay. There was another group there because of that. So they're like, hey, I'm in Austin anyway. I should go surf this wave and check it out. Right. And then you know, go see music. There's t- obviously there's tons of great music. You know, home of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, I mean, that is, I think, really where wave pools fit into our future. A lot of us were concerned as we've seen the technology come about that it was going to compete with the ocean, you know, and like our surf experience. But really, what it's doing is adding to the scene in Austin, or adding to like. A cultural, like a cultural experience, and you know Kelly's new pool going into Palm Beach, Florida. Well, that's that I was Virginia just Beach pool. It's just like, oh, it's one of many things that you do when you go to this city. You go see the music, you go to the concerts, you go to the amusement park, and then you hit the wave pool on one day. Yeah, you know. Now the technology, you know. First of all, my hats off <clears throat> to guys. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but. It's my feeling that the surf park industry needs a hall of fame, <clears throat> and they should start one, and maybe I'll help with that. I don't know. But my point is is that that whole industry was – everybody was on the sidelines waiting for somebody to be first to market. Nobody wanted to be, okay, I'm first to market, and we'll all watch that guy fail, and we'll learn from his mistakes, and it's okay to be second or third to market because – you, first, we have proof that it either worked or didn't work, and we have a bunch of, you know, we have a test run that we can 
make changes to to make it better. Mm-hmm. So to be first to market takes balls. And Andy Ainscoff, the guy who opened Surf Snowdonia in the UK, in my opinion, you know, deserves to be the first guy entered into the Surf Park Hall of Fame because he was the guy that went, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm doing it. And he didn't wait on the sidelines. And there's still people waiting on the sidelines, you know. But Kelly's crew and Doug Coors, the guy who opened the Inland in Texas, look, that technology, it seems, is already sort of behind. Oh, yeah. Now, can you simply go in there and do a retrofit on the machinery and change the wave? It's because it's wave garden technology. So the guys in Spain are probably going, hey, thanks for buying version one. Version 1.8 is available. And oh, by the way, we can retrofit your machine to make it better. All you got to do is dig out a bigger pool or something, you know, and, and so then there's some CapEx expense. But point is, is that my hat's off to Doug Kors and Andy Ainscoff and the guys that are first to market in this industry because it takes a lot of balls yeah. and you could lose your butt yeah. financially. But um, the good news is Kelly's pool has raised the level to like everyone's like, it's kind of like that or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is insane. They're opening a park in 2019 in Florida. Yeah. And it's going to be that great technology. Yeah. How much it costs, all that yet to be determined. But we're well on our way now that we've got, you know, three or four legit open to the public pools in the Democratic Republic. Well, I'm glad to hear the United States of America. I'm glad to hear too <laughs> that on your second sesh, it was essentially two of you, and then it just was only one two of you. us. Uh, because that is my other thing is like I I don't even want to be an early adapter as a user because I don't want to deal with the crowds. I don't want to deal with the hassle and all of it but if i know i can go there and kind of get my own uh space in the pool that is more appealing to me well we were there sort of like at the end of the season or off season right so here's what's interesting we were signed up for a four o'clock session it was filled it had five guys on the reef 10 guys in the beginner lagoon the guys in the beginner you don't even care you don't even see them you don't even care but there's five guys on the reef and my buddy and i are like oh you know what at five o'clock there's nobody Right. Let's just move our time. And we asked him, we go, can we move to five o'clock? He goes, yeah. And, I, and we go, well, do people just show up like at the last minute off work? And he goes, eh, sometimes, you know, I can't say yes or no, but I, I think you'll be good. Yeah. So five o'clock, it was just he and I on the reef by ourselves. And then he broke his foot. So how? His leg. And how'd I, that happen? Just a freak accident on, you know, like he sort of stood up late, went up to the top, kind of got his bearings. By the time he got his bearings, the wave kind of fell out from under him and, and his... You know, he was trying really hard to stay with it. You know, he was kind of too low and he was trying to, and I just think that there was just forces on his leg and the force of the wave meeting and his bones just, he kind of like dislocated his ankle and his bones broke. And so it was just surfing. It yeah, had it nothing to bottom. do with the pool itself. No, but where the wave breaks, it's pretty shallow. Yeah. But that wasn't what it was. No. It could have happened to him in the ocean. No. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. No, yeah. this, this is just a freak thing. Wow. Forces of water met forces of compression yeah compressed his leg crazy yeah the pool's kind of cool it's it's got this one shallow like i guess ramp or bump in the bottom Mm -hmm. and then it goes deep so the that's where the wave breaks obviously it hits that shallow that shallow spot and breaks up up in front of it so you're in the deep stuff but you're kind of riding right next to that shallow spot Wow, man. So when you you clearly wrote a story, where does this story end up? Are you sending it somewhere? Um, my friend is starting a website that's going to be a, kind of a 
a place, a portal where you can go and find out about all the different wave pools. If you're like a, a father or a mother and you're like, hey, let's think about a vacation here. It's it's sort of just a review site. So instead of going to Inland Surf Park and just getting their yeah. side of the story, you can get a more objective viewpoint at this guy's website. I don't even know the name of it, but I'm, it's my friend in France, Brian Dickerson, and I'm going to send that to him. Is it live already, the website? I don't think it is. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But I'm going to put it on my website as well. What's your website, Scott? Boardroomshow.com. There you go. My experience at Inland. I highly recommend Did checking it out. Did you get photos of yourself surfing? No. Bummer. Which was a bummer. Yeah. Because I was ripping. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, I heard uh, Mike Parsons say that on the webcast, right. actually. Yeah, he said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so my must-see moment for the week is a, a moment that everybody else has already seen, which is Ian Walsh's barrel at Jaws. Again, arguably the best wave, Scott will tell you, the best wave skirt surfed in competition ever. Everybody's it's saying It's spectacular. It. Well, here's why. It, it was a long, long runner that he had to negotiate not only the drop and the takeoff and the bottom turn, but then negotiate through the barrel. And if he had one fewer day of training in his life, he would not have made that wave. Like, it required every ounce of everything that he had to make that wave, and I don't think anybody else could have made it. It's spectacular. Well, I don't, I don't, I think that's that saying a lot. I think somebody saying else, the truth. I think somebody else could have made it. I think John John or Kelly or Billy Kemper could have made it. All three of those guys would have got smoked. <laughs> but Ian. hats off to Ian Walsh. What an incredible performance. It, it sort of seemed like it, it was his due. He was due to win. Um, as you mentioned, all the time he's put in. And, and uh, it's interesting, like Patagonia picked him up as a sponsor, as a sponsee. I didn't notice that. Yeah, Patagonia. Good for them. Yeah. It's a great But pick. here's the other thing I was thinking. Like, where's Cole Christensen? <laughs> he used to be Patagonia's big wave guy, and he's nowhere to be found. He just, huh. maybe he just said, I'm back to the farm. I'm getting too old for this. Is Greg Long on Patagonia, too? I don't know. I thought I saw I see Greg a Patagonia Long. sticker on his board. I bet he is. Because those guys, you know, Patagonia has these community events, and a lot of times it's like Greg Long will come down and do a talk or okay. something. Okay, okay. Awesome. Well, that's my must-see moment. Um, I have a duke and a kook. My kook is Rory Parker, the, the surf rider. Do you remember Rory Parker? Of, of course I remember Rory Parker. Okay, so Rory Parker. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but he's... Well, we haven't seen him. We've uh, communicated via yeah. email. So Rory Parker rallied you and I maybe two years ago to do a Ask Me Anything on Reddit. Remember that? Yes. That's why you and I know him. So that's he right. reached out and he was like... Um, well, he was on Beach Grit, too, and there's some falling out between him and Beach Grit. Like, yeah. There's so much under-the-pavement-at-Disneyland drama that f- unfolds at Beach Grit. Yeah. I, don't even, I can't even follow it all. So Rory was – he was writing for Beach Grit. Right. And then – Why do they not like each other? They le- He left. They had a falling out, but like why? you said. What was the falling out? I don't know. The yes, most recent – <laughs> no, I really don't, truly. I've asked Chaz about it. You I don't – must have been angry. Well, yeah, no, there was something. There was a... Is there a lack of payment on somebody's fault? No, I don't think that was it at all. I think it was a very different um, set of ideals and kind of what they were trying to accomplish. But why would that make you mad at him? Like, why wouldn't you go, hey, we just don't see eye to eye, best That's the way they are. Oh, because... I don't think anybody's mad at him. I sense that Chaz had a thing out for him or something. Chaz throws mud at everybody. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of the persona. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he left Beach Grit... Uh, he left Beach Grit. Stab hired Rory. 
yes. as a writer. Yes. His very first writing assignment was to cover the Piahi Challenge. Right. The reason why he's my kook of the week, he missed the media boat both days. <laughs> <laughs> On his very That's something first, that Chaz would celebrate. On his very first assignment, maybe Chaz is. I don't know. I didn't read, but like, <laughs> so you go to Rory's write up for the Piaggi Challenge day one. Here I am. The on first, the, the first paragraph is. I missed the boat. I set. <laughs> I programmed my phone to take me to the harbor, and it took me to the wrong harbor. I missed the boat, so I'm reporting from the cliff today. Day number two, overslept his alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the most rookie. Dude, that's not even an excuse. You can't even admit that that's an excuse. And so sure enough, he's like, I woke up extra early before the sunlight, answered some emails. Then I just thought, oh, I'm going to close my eyes for five minutes to try to get some sleep. Wakes up in the glaring sunlight going, hey, why is it so bright outside? Looks at his phone. He missed it. So then he has to go report from the cliff again. This is literally his first assignment from Stab Magazine. They're footing the bill. He's on Kauai. They foot the bill for him to go over to Maui and write. And, oh, Rory. And, but he still wrote. Like, he wrote about the event. So I'm not sure if Stab accepts that as, like, an adequate doing of his job. But I would argue if you miss the media boat both days, dude, maybe you're asking me why you got fired from Beach Grit. Maybe that's something. Wow. Maybe that's represent. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Scale. So, throwing it out there. Rory Parker. Dude, Rory, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you missed the boat twice. Uh, I think he'd even Let me admit, ask you this. Do yeah. you think you're going to get, a, obviously you'll have a different perspective, but maybe it's more objective from the cliff. I've been on media boats at, at the Mavericks event and it turns into very much a i can see getting caught up in the subjectivity of everyone being super excited for every you know yeah situation well there's more objectivity when you're just like guy on the cliff using the tree as a urinal yeah all i can't even tell you because his write-up from both days was more of just like um here's my personal experience of hanging out side by side with uh chris christensen yeah yeah twiggy baker's wife and kid like right. it wasn't even like telling who won what heat or anything like that in a way that's okay too because that that information is going to get out there i mean yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't a bad write-up it also didn't tell me anything new about the event that i didn't know I oh guess. really yeah no. um oh yeah so my duke though is so what's going on with stab so they hired ashton's Ashton got Gogans, right? Yeah. From who left Surfer. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I saw his email. <laughs> Somehow or another, somebody sent me his email, his departure email to Surfer Magazine. Send it to me. I can't. Dude, I need to see it. Uh, I don't want Chaz to get it. No, I won't. I promise I won't I send like it to I like Ashton anybody. too much. To, I, mean, I won't it's send just, it to It's anybody. very Ashton-esque email where he's, he's just kind of prim and proper, but... <laughs> But he, but I guess he carbon copied everyone in the company. Accidentally? No, on purpose. Okay. Prim and proper, but you were going to say something well, else? Well, you know, he just, he, he just has his feelings about things and the way they went. And he was, you know, he just laid it out like, you know, he just laid it out. Was it um, a burning of bridges? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a burning of, not, but, but it was like he burned bridges, but then he also went, I hope to see you all in the future Despite the contents of this email, I want you all to know that I love you very much. No, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it was like he burned bridges and then he said, but let's still be friends. Was it ag- passive aggressive? Was it straight out aggressive? Was it um, improper? I mean, it, I don't think it was. I, I think in 10 years, he'll be like, I wish I didn't send that email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was immature. 
No, I don't know if it was immature. I think there was emotion in it. You know, he felt wronged, and he had, he, you know, he probably had a cup of coffee in the morning. I've been uh, guilty of this, where I wrote an, an email the way I felt, the way I wanted people to know, how I, you know, I have my justification for everything, and then I didn't send it. And I, you always got to sleep. On he it. sent this one, and again, it's not bad. It's not. It's very professional. It's not like there's any f bombs or anything. It's very much like this is the way I saw it. And then it didn't come out this way, and I think this is wrong, and this person's wrong, and because of that, I'm now terminating my thing, and it's been a pleasure working with you, but, you know, it's just, yeah. I think when you, like you said, 10 years of hindsight, as you kind of mature and go through enough experiences, you realize it's not personal. Businesses make decisions with business in mind, and if something went away that you didn't see it going, dude, it's nothing personal. We weren't out to get you. It just is the way that it is. I think there was a... um, Kind of probably the same way with Rory and Chaz and Derek. I'm just guessing, but there was sort of some things were promised, like editorial direction wise, and then they weren't fulfilled, and so yeah, it felt like there was a betrayal. Yeah, you know. But again, I'm trying not to tell you what Ashton said in his email. But um, anyway, so, that, my, so Stab, what's going on at Stab? They're now in Venice. They open an office near yeah. Venice adjacent, as, yeah. as Jazz would say. Yeah. What does that mean, Venice adjacent? Is there like it's a, just a slight to them? It's just like because not like, really Venice, right? Because Venice is so hip and cool, and yeah, like Venice they're trying is to gentrified be a, now. It's, they're trying to be a part of it, but they're uh, really just in Mar Vista next door. Oh, you know? I see. It's, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're, so Stab's in Mar Vista next to the Inertia, and they're yeah. all buddies, too? I, I, there was I some, don't think they're buddies. No, there was something where Stab and the Inertia were joining forces. It's hard to no. understand Chaz's... I try to follow Beach uh, Dude, I'll give you the shortest recap ever. Okay. Obviously, the Inertia, it's all user-submitted content. Right, right. So Brendan Buckley from Stab mm-hmm. created a fake account mm-hmm. and submitted an article saying that dolphins' brains are the same to human brains. Oh. And that's why dolphins ride waves and humans ride waves. Oh, okay. And it was saying, like, oh, this is a new study out of UCLA or whatever school it was. Oh, I see. But it was completely made up. It was just a show. And the Inertia huh? published it. All right. So then Brendan wrote the article for Stab saying, you know... We pulled a fast one. We punked the inertia. Right. And then Zach wrote an open letter at like, oh, woe is me. The bullies in the back of the bus are always picking on us. We're just trying to have a good time with surfing. We're having fun. And you guys are always trying to like, you know, make fun of us. Basically. Uh, so, so that's they're not friends at all. Zach blew it by commenting on it. Totally, dude. Pulled an Ashton. <laughs> Zach got his feelings hurt bad, dude. Zach gets bad. beat up, man. They beat the shit out of that guy. Why should he even care? Like, to, uh, my advice to Zach is, hey, dude, ignore it and keep cashing the paychecks because you got you you know, clearly have more advertisers than anybody. So, yeah. like, just keep doing what you're doing. It's not like you're even trying to play with us. Uh, by us, I mean the people who surf every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, so, so that explains that. So Duke, yeah, couple Duke. couple Dukes. Okay. Uh, Chris Camacho was a local Huntington Beach surfer. He's about my age, just a little bit younger than me, who just died last week from complications of diabetes. Oh. Really sad story. Supercharger, like every wedge swell that you've seen in the past ten years, Chris was out there. Yeah, just absolute charger. Yeah. Um, so really tragic loss. I'm Way too young. Yeah. But here's my question for you, Scott. Yes, sir. It was right before we got this insane run of swell. Like, the locals are calling it the Camacho swell, but we also had the Brock swell last year after Brock died. 
how does that always happen? We wasn't there an Andy swell too? We get this run of good waves after a local, uh, you know. Look, it's sweet to to I think honor him with with that, and I think yeah. we should. Yeah, it's it's kind of eerie the way that always happens. Eerie, eerie. I don't know if it's eerie. I think that you know my dog died right before that swell. Right. So the Duke. We swell. could call it the Duke swell. I, I'm calling it the Duke. This is the <laughs> Duke segment. Is, it's a very sweet thing to do. Yeah. Is it eerie? Is there some sort of etheric astral coincidence or connection, rather, not coincidence? No, I don't think so. Here's but what I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Here's I what know. I know. Here's what I do know. I don't know. What I know is next time I see a epic swell on the forecast, yes. I'm really going to watch my P's and Q's. I'm going to be careful because <laughs> I don't want to be attributed to that. Like, I want to watch out. So, but here's the real deal. That run of swell, yeah. how good was that, dude? Oh, my God. Dude. I was, it was ridiculous. That was just like, I, I'm at that age where I can get surfed out where I'm like, I need a break. I took a few days off. And like, because my shoulders and everything and just, what happened, holy mackerel. What happens is the last day or two that I surfed, I was not in proper shape and form to be surfing. Like the first run, I was just like super amped, tons of energy. The last day I injured myself because I I looked at the waves. I'm like, it's pumping and I don't want to surf. I guess I'll just go out for an hour before work. And then I injured myself because I'm just like not fully, fully like engaged and yeah. primed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I haven't been that surfed out in a long time. A frame, head high, a frames offshore up and down the beach with nobody out. Like wow. there was enough to where yeah. everybody was spread out all time, dude. Yeah, super good. So, so such a good run and and we needed it. That's the other thing. It had been 3 months, so it was just like it gotten full so, blessing, you know. It had gotten so bad that you were booking tickets to Austin to go Exactly. Surf. All right, buddy. Okay. spitpodcast.com where Spit. can people find you? spitpodcast.com that's where you can find the show and all of our other shows and you can also and we need this your help is needed please consider donating to the cause so that David and I can move out of my truck and move into an official office where we can record and do research we're sitting here at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center by the way we gotta give them a shout out shack.com that's right we're in the parking lot shack.org uh, surfingheritage.org people actually. are driving by looking at us like we're homeless like we're two dudes that live in a truck <laughs> <laughs> so so um, real deal though we don't really ask for donations nearly as much as we should like we just kind of throw it out there but realistically spitpodcast.com there's a donation link on there and just set up a five dollar a month subscription and that would go a long way to helping this content. And that's also the best place to comment on what you hear. We, as David always says, this is your conversation. So go on there and use the comments box. And that's probably the best way for David and I to say, hey, we got a comment. We prefer to say, hey, we got a comment on the spitpodcast.com commentary section um, rather than, you know, some other form. Yeah. And uh, but the other form would be email at, at boardroom show at and boardroom email. Show. Yeah. And email. I've been getting a lot of Instagrams. It's good. Yeah. And my email, uh, scott at boardroomshow.com. Perfect. And mine is at surfsplendor. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com is the email. All right, Scott. Okay, man. Sign us off. Until next time, adios and aloha.
forget I 